So all my heavy hitters and lockdown defenders, welcome to the Lockdown Davis Podcast, episode 38. We back in the building each and every Tuesday, 10 a.m., YouTube, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, you name it, we doing it. Wherever you get your podcast from, we in the building. Want to thank everybody for their support and their love and their subscriptions all the way up to this point. We're going to keep on doing this thing big for y'all. We got a lot of things to cover today. A lot of things going on in the NBA. The NFL draft is complete. Teams have revamped their rosters and they sold some good hope coming into this new NFL season. So we're going to get into that hot and heavy. We're going to go through our draft. Uh, we're going to see where we hit in our mock. And we're going to give our draft grades as well, talking about what we think the, each team are graded at as far as what their draft look like. But first and foremost, we're going to start with NBA news. We're going to get into that real hot and heavy. We're going to get on to Coach Defense's hot games of the week. We're going to start there. Then we're going to go on to uh, talk about uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, man. Oh, man, these two young bulls here, they definitely are putting on a show and started to come into their own in their young age, man. I'm liking what I'm seeing. Uh, had a little bit of an injury uh, issue with Jalen Brown towards the end of the uh, week, but hopefully he will um, come back and uh, be strong as ever. Uh, LeBron James came back for the Lakers this week, and, uh, and subsequently he lost Dennis Schroeder to COVID protocol, so that was interesting enough, and LeBron came in when he actually had a little bit of ankle soreness after his second game, so he's back out. So we'll talk about that briefly. We'll get into Joker, man. Jokic, uh, <laughs> Nikola Jokic. We'll talk about him, uh, his performance against the Clippers, uh, and what that means for his MVP chances. LaMelo Ball came back this week. We're going to talk about him. We're going to get into uh, what we feel like his return is going to mean for the Hornets, and can he make a late push? Um, some scary teams out here. Uh, they're they're on the fringe and in and right right at that bubble of playing in the playing game. And uh, if they make the tournament, they make the actual playoff tournament. They could be really scary outs for some teams out here, with matchup wise. So we're gonna talk about that. We'll get into the playoff standings and the games remaining, and see how the the rest of the season is gonna shake out. And we'll do player 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 spotlight, and we'll talk about our four individuals that I feel like are definitely uh putting up good numbers in regards to uh. Their performance this week so we'll talk about that and uh we'll get into some more nfl news we'll talk about Deshaun watson again uh some new news coming out in regarding this case this week we'll talk about that we'll talk about this uh contentious uh relationship between the packers and Aaron Rodgers. get into that uh deon sanders uh, made news this week and talking about brett Favre. we'll talk about that as well and uh, we'll do a brief charter's corner we'll talk about our draft picks and we'll recap pick, pick by pick and give our good roster update and see what we need to do as far as improving our roster before the season starts then we'll get into Lakers locker room. We'll recap last week's games. We'll talk about LeBron's return and Hades rise and uh, the shooter being out. Uh, a lot of news to cover in Lakers land as well. So, um, you know, got a little bit of loose streak going on here. And what's it going to mean in the last stretch of the game? So we'll talk about that. Then we get to the fourth quarter closeout. We give out awards for breakout play of the week, lockdown defending the week, and big demo of the week. So stay tuned for all that. 
let's get into who's in the news, man. Let's get it. Let's talk who's in the news. Let's start with the NBA, as we have been doing for the uh, past several weeks. So we got a, <laughs> some high games to get to. <laughs> I, I I looked at these games on paper and I was like, man, these games could go either way. And it wasn't uh, a letdown, <laughs> in all honesty. Um, for Tuesday, I was tracking the Mavs versus the Warriors. Now, I feel like this is going to be a good game with Luka versus Steph. And uh, I figured it would be a close game, but uh, Luka wasn't having it. <laughs> he really wasn't. Uh, the Mavs dismantled the Warriors, 133 to 103. Luka's 39 points propelled them in this victory and definitely wasn't expecting this to be so lopsided. <laughs> and normally when games get to be a blowout in this in this, in this last, you know, set of games in the, in the uh, condensed season, you know, it gets, it gets tighter in the end because the reserves come in and they kind of close the gap a little bit. But this didn't happen. Like they literally had a 30-point lead at the end of the game. Like, this was crazy. It was just crazy. I didn't expect the Warriors to get beat this bad. But like, Luka was very efficient and, and very good early on, and he led his team uh, to victory from walking away with a 30-point victory. It's, that was amazing, man. That was amazing. I didn't think they would beat him that bad. I really thought it was going to be a highly contested game. And the Warriors had a – I feel like the Warriors had a punch of chance to beat him. But, uh, but the Mavs are playing really good ball right now, man. I'm telling you. Playing good ball. So Wednesday I was tracking the Sun versus the Clippers and uh, uh, Kawhi Leonard had been out and it was, you know, it was still out in this game. And uh, and uh, I was wondering what the Suns were going to do um, facing a Kawhi Le- leonard list team and the Clippers. And uh, CP3 was a man amongst boys in this game. Uh, Dark Horse MVP candidate. He had 28 points and 10 assists. They beat the Clippers 109-101. So that was really, that was a really good game. Uh, Suns are playing really good ball as well. I really like how uh, the upward trend is happening with the Suns and the Mavs. Um, right, at, right before playoff time, it's happening. So Thursday, I was tracking the Warriors versus the Wolves, and uh, I was tracking this game because this is an intriguing game. This is one of those games where the Timberwolves, who are very up and down, that they could honestly truly be a bad matchup for the Warriors, and they were. I was right. Uh, Anthony Edwards had twenty five points. Uh, in this game, and they won uh, going away 126-114. Steph Curry had 37, but it wasn't enough. He uh, he just didn't get enough production from his lead, his uh, supporting cast, and the Timberwolves will go uh, walk away with his victory 126-114. Uh, I was very surprised that they, they won, truly, but I really thought it was going to be a more competitive game than people think looking at it on paper. So Friday, we had the Suns versus the Jazz, and this was for first place in the West. Uh, clearly, Spider Mitchell was still out, so it wasn't at full strength. But uh, Devin Booker was like, "Whoever's on the court, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna murder you. <laughs> I'm just gonna murder you from a basketball perspective." Uh, the the Suns uh, win one twenty one to one hundred behind Devin Booker's thirty one points. Amazing performance. They took a uh, a clear and cut lead or at at the first spot for the uh, West, and they they're not looking back. They're not looking back. Watch out for the Suns. They're, pun intended, they're playing hot basketball right now. Hot basketball. So Saturday, we're tracking the Nuggets versus the Clippers. Uh, I think I think uh, Kawhi Leonard was finally coming back for this game. Uh, and, and I have to give the Nuggets a lot of credit because despite the fact that they've lost uh, Jamal Murray for their season, uh, they have stepped up their play holistically. 
Like Michael Porter Jr. has stepped into the role of being more of a, a facilitating dominant scorer, and Jokic is playing at a complete and total MVP level. And he dominated the Clippers from pillar to post, scoring 30 points and, and putting down 14 boards. And he definitely, uh, for me, literally made himself uh, a leading candidate for the MVP. He played high, high minutes, played every night, hadn't missed any games, and putting up double-double-like numbers every night. So you got to give that man his flowers while he can still smell them and say that he's literally, to me, in my opinion, at this point, leading candidate for MVP. That was the statement game for him. I think he needed one of those statement games against a really good team, and that was the game. 30 points in a, in a six-point victory. 110-104. Nuggets take it. So on Sunday, we had a really good matchup with the Nets versus the Bucks, and this definitely lived up to the hype. KD was healthy. He played. Kyrie was there. Giannis and the boys were all healthy, and Giannis and KD went at it. <laughs> to the tune of Giannis having 49, KD having 42, and both of these boys shot well from three. I felt like KD made around seven, and Giannis made about four threes, and they literally went back and forth, and they guarded each other in stretches, it was definitely a highly contested battle with very good TV. <laughs> very good TV. Very good for the ratings. And it wasn't a whole lot of defense being played in this one, but the Nets all to the Bucks, 117 to 114 behind Giannis' 49. So that look out for that in the playoffs. So that's that's a good matchup. And that was a playoff caliber matchup that we had on a Sunday. So on Monday, I was tracking the Pelicans versus the Warriors, and the Warriors finally bounced back. Uh, Steph Curry's 41 points, and they beat the Pelicans 123 to 108. Uh, Steph Curry, uh, like I say, pulled in 41 points and finally got the Warriors off the snide. They dropped a couple. Um, they're still fighting for that uh, playing tournament and uh, getting into the dance. So uh, we'll see how that shakes out. But, but yeah, those are the hot games of the week. And I'm sitting there itching because I really wanted to get to uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, man. Um, starting with Jason Tatum. <laughs> Jason Tatum played the Spurs. Uh, this week and uh they got down really bad and really fast to the tune of uh 32 points in the in the first half um and you pretty much would turn the channel at that point he's i'm just gonna write the the southern off they had a bad night uh popovich got their number and we're just gonna say hey they're chalking up to a loss but tatum jason tatum said nah bro hold my beer because <laughs> he definitely had a herculean performance to the tune of 60 points and brought the Celtics all the way back and went into overtime. Amazing, amazing performance. Amazing performance. So, yeah, definitely got to give him credit. And Jalen Brown is no slouch in his own right because he's been playing stellar basketball in his own right. And I was talking about him a few weeks ago about how efficient he was when he came to Staples Center uh, about two, maybe two weeks ago. Uh, so him and Tatum worked well off each other, and Jalen Brown was very efficient. And he's been playing high caliber basketball for the last you know month or so. So definitely got to give Jason and Jalen credit. Now, unfortunately, on Sunday, uh, Jason and Jalen collided and uh, and tweaked Jalen Brown's ankle, so he's going to be out. Now it hasn't come back to how long he may be out, but it's definitely an ankle injury they're saying, and um, hopefully that's not severe and he can get back soon. So. Uh, they can continue this run because they're definitely on a tear and I'm definitely loving the idea of them playing this uh, high caliber basketball going into the playoffs. Like I said, cause I wrote them off, left them almost left them for dead and they came roaring back after the team meeting 
And next thing I know, I'm looking at them like they could be a, a, a upset-minded team playing when these top NCs come playoff time. So look out for the Southies, man. Assuming Jalen Brown's healthy and ready to go, I think they're a threat. They're a threat the way they're playing. And, and Kimball Walker, I talked about him last week, about the fact that he truly is the cog that's going to propel them to victory because if he plays well on top of them pouring in points like they have been in the past, quote-unquote, uh, I guess you can say, Two to three, two and a half, three weeks or more. It, it, it's scary hours, man. It's scary hours for them. It really is. It's scary hours, and I'm wondering how that's going to play into uh, their first round matchups, and maybe second round, depending on who they get first round. But yeah, overall, man, like I said, I like, I like their play, and their play has definitely uh, been uh, stellar in the last, you know, five, just five to ten games, especially. So yeah, definitely give them credit. Definitely give them credit. So, uh, as you know, quick bit of Lakers news and headlines and who's in the news. Uh, LeBron James returned. Um, and we subsequently, after he returns for one game, plays with Dennis Schroeder. Dennis Schroeder goes out with COVID protocol. So, he's going to be out maybe 10 to 14 days in protocol. So, that's an issue. Um, but LeBron's two games back, they, we, the Lakers literally lose both games. And LeBron goes out again with an ankle injury, ankle tenderness at the end of Sunday's game. So he didn't play Monday night against the Nuggets. Um, and where he's questionable from for Thursday, um, the next game we play. But it's an, it's it's noteworthy news because uh, he needs to come back and the, the Lakers are teetering on the edge of playoff contention at the time he came back. So, you know, and he even went as far as ripping the playing tournament idea, saying that, you know, it was a dumb idea, but you know, he did come back, and like I said, we'll get more heavy into a Lakers locker room, but I did want to break the news headlines that he did come back on uh, Friday, I want to say, and they played the Raptors and the Kings in, in respective games, and, and ironically losing both at full strength, quote-unquote. But, um, yeah, I would say it's definitely time to hit the panic button if uh, if you're at the Lakers and start playing uh, desperate basketball and start to win games at a high clip if you want to – be in the playoffs one and two at a decent seed where you don't have to have a really ridiculously tough matchup uh, starting out or have to play in the playing game. So uh, talk about uh, Joker. I want to get into his uh, performances to Clippers. I did allude to that in high games of the week. And and I have to say that, and I, I alluded to it, I'm, I'm going to reiterate it now, that his dominant victory against the Clippers to me propelled him to the front of the uh, MVP race. I really feel that way. Um, just his consistency, his number number of minutes, and the amount of numbers he's been putting up. Now he's about three points less in in scoring than Embiid is, but his uh his story, and I talk about this story being the the determining factor of them winning awards here lately. I think his story makes for it as of right now for him to be MVP. Because I think, like I said, he need that stable win against a really good team, and he got it done. And uh, of course, last night they lost to the Lakers, ironically, but. Um, overall, I think that that he is the front runner for MVP. Now, again, I was I'll give Chris Paul his flowers. I would give Steph his flowers. I would give Embiid his flowers as well. But I think that his consistency and his play and and how the they rose in the standings even without Jamal Murray is a testament to him being dominant and being the focal point in that team. So, if you had to vote right now, I think most people would vote for uh, Joker to win the MVP. So in uh, Hornets news, LaMelo Ball returned uh, this past uh, week and uh, 
he came back off the hand injury and um and I wonder uh he definitely uh hit the ground running let's let's just stay that let's start state that for the record they can't hit the ground running uh like he never left um I think the kid's a really good player now the question I asked though is that based upon their schedule now they have I want to say half their team have the games they're going to play or against teams that are probably fringe playoff or non-playoff teams and the other half are playoff teams now can they make a push and elevate their status and get into a higher seed uh, from where they're at now um, and playing um, vying for the playoffs so will LaMelo make a difference and I really think he will but I think they're what they're going to end up doing is splitting down the middle when it comes down to these games so they'll probably win if they have, I want to say eight games left, they probably go four and four. I think that that they have that they have a innate ability to uh, lose to really good teams. So I think holistically, I think they will end up uh, going by about four and four in it. But it will, but Lamelo would definitely be a much needed addition to help propel them into the playoffs. So got to give him credit for fighting through this injury and getting where he needs to be as far as being the. Uh, leader, point guard leader for this team. So like I said, right now they're in the playing tournament. They're at eight. So yeah, I think they, I think they'll be okay. I think they'll be okay. They're thirty one to thirty three. So yeah, we'll 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 get into that with the standings in a minute. But yeah, I think that um they'll take they'll split. So they, if they split, they'll end up being thirty what thirty five and thirty seven. And yeah, they're probably still playing the playing tournament. But it depends on who they draw. Off. Right now they get Boston. So but Boston's only uh game out of six as well so who knows but um but yeah i think that is a good story and i really feel like he, if he hadn't got hurt he'd be rookie of the year so shouts out to Lamelo, man shouts out to Lamelo. so yeah <laughs> as we as we move on I, I definitely want to uh commend him for coming back as well um he's definitely a, a, a tough kid but so as we talk about the playoffs before we get to the standings real quick i want to talk about a couple of teams that are scary uh, coming into the playoffs, uh, the Warriors and the Wizards, man. I really feel like those two teams, especially from a playing perspective, are very dangerous um, to advance into the real tournament. Um, just upon the simple fact the way Steph is playing, and then if he happens to get any decent production from his supporting cast on a night or night out basis, Draymond and company, you know, I really feel like they're a dangerous team because he can go off of fifty. If he gets, you know, 10 to 20 from his supporting cast in a large clip, they could really be a dangerous team. Now, I'm not going to say they're going to beat the one or two seed if they get into the playoffs, but they're, they're a dangerous team. And they're, they're, it will definitely uh, ring true, at least in the one or two game series in the playing tournament. So I've got them being uh, the all star favorites, both teams, the Wizards and the Warriors, making the actual tournament itself. And the way Russell Westbrook is filling up a stat sheet, the way Bradley Bill is scoring the ball, on the east side it's definitely something that we have to monitor because oh man i, I mean we're talking herculean efforts on the on from russell Westbrook perspective in a in a virtuoso type word of shannon shop virtual type performances from bradley bill from a scoring perspective and they finally figured themselves out you know going back and forth between the two of them how to work together and that's scary because that tandem right there can be dangerous in the playoffs. And even to a person that's already made the tournament, they could be dangerous. And if they match up with the Nets first round, they have owned the Nets in, in the regular season. So that could be iffy for the Nets. The Nets will 
Then they come in sleeping thinking they're going to run over the Wizards because they're the eight seed or the seven seed. Then guess what? They're going to take a game or two off of you. You're going to be scrambling and wondering what happened. And you're going to rather fight and claw to win the series. So watch out for the Wizards and Warriors, man. They're definitely scary, good teams that, that nobody probably wants to play in the playoffs. So as we um, talk about playoffs, let's talk about the standings real quick. Let's get into that as we'll break that down real quick before we move on. But uh, yeah, so right now, like I said, um, by percentage points, am I looking at this right? Uh, Utah is right, because yeah, Utah's up by one game at the one seed again. Phoenix is two. Uh, the Clippers are, are four, Lakers are five. The Denver Nuggets are three. Dallas Mavericks are six. Playing game right now, Memphis and San Antonio, nine and 10. Portland and Golden State at seven and eight. Then you're on the east side, you got Philly number one, Brooklyn two. Uh, Milwaukee three, uh, Knicks four, Atlanta five, Miami six, uh, Indiana seven, uh, I'm sorry, Indiana nine, Washington 10, Boston seven, and, and Charlotte eight. So yeah. So yeah, if you had to, uh, had to be a bad man, I would say all the Wizards and the, and the Warriors definitely make it into the real tournament. And, uh, and that's, that's scary for a lot of teams if they have to play them. Scary for a lot of teams. So let's talk about spray spotlight real quick as we wrap up this NBA segment. Uh, I want to give shots out to Devin Booker, Jaden Brown, uh, Jason Tatum, and Russell Westbrook. Oh man, I'm not when I'm when I'm here to say that their their stat lines in these games in the last uh, several weeks have been amazing, have been absolutely positively amazing. And you know what what can you, what more can you say about them and the fact that they've been playing really good basketball here lately. And I talked about Jason Tatum, 60 points. That was one, you know, effort that was uh, unprecedented, you know, in, in, in that comeback. But, I mean, just his play overall. I mean, just look at his last five games. 38, 19, 35, 60, and 33. And the three, in the two and three record in that span. But he'd been putting up big numbers and had a uh, triple double, had a double double in two of those games. So, yeah, definitely putting up big numbers. Jalen Brown as well. 20, 39, 38, 17, 16. Like I said, that, that was the last two games. Well, the last game for sure was cut short with his injury, but he's been playing really good ball and double-doubles in a couple of those games. Definitely showing out big time. And like I said, I hope that just trickles down into the playoffs where they can definitely uh, make some noise and, and fulfill that prophecy that I've been saying that they, they could because that team is really good offensively especially. But definitely got to give him credit for that. Now, Russell Westbrook, let's talk about him real quick. This man and his stat line is ridiculous. Now, he's been let Bradley do the line share of the scoring, although he did have 42 against the Mavericks the other night. But, I mean, we're talking 22, uh, 13, and 14. Then you got 18, 18, and 14. Then you got 15, 12, and 11. And the 42 point night, he took a little bit of night off on the system um, round by one, but he was 42, 10, and nine. And last night, he had 14, 21 boards, and 24 assists. Amazing, amazing stat line. So he definitely, definitely is getting to playoff format. And, man, what what can you say? What really can you say? But it's it's amazing to watch. It's amazing to watch. He, he's, a, he's a baller. He's, he's a grinder. He's a grinder. And then Mr. Devin Booker, of course, in his five games, four, four and one in the last five, 36, 33, 21, 31, 
32. And that, I feel like that 21 was only taking the backseat to Chris Paul, who had 28. Outside of that, he's been the lead dog and been putting up big-time numbers and a really efficient from the field. So, shouts out to these boys, man. We definitely got to watch out for them being really hot going into the playoffs because they definitely will make waves. Definitely will make waves. Now, a quick COVID update as we wrap up the NBA segment. Of course, Dennis Schroeder went out with protocol. Zach Levine just came back from protocol. Dennis Schroeder goes out. So, two names that are really uh, vital to their team that one was coming back off the protocol and one going in. Then the shooters lost the Lakers really big because he was the facilitator, their point guard. And looking at the team, they definitely miss him because Recruso and other guys being a point guard, LeBron not playing, it's definitely a different dynamic. And you you lose something in that, uh, not having him on the court. So hopefully he can get back soon from COVID protocol and come back fine and healthy. And we'll, the Lakers will definitely be able to make a push. But that's going to wrap up in the NBA segment. Let's move over to the NFL. So let's move over to the NFL as we do our Who's the New segment for the NFL. Uh, let's start with Deshaun Watson. Let's talk about him yet again. Uh, really brief. I won't uh, get into uh, much in this regard because it's not much to tell. Nothing's changed uh, in large part from his court case. But uh, there are reports out now that he could very well miss the entire season based upon the fact that he's going to be dealing with these legal battles, which makes a lot of sense because these legal battles and a number of them are going to go on for quite some time. And his focus should be on that and rectifying those and have those things linger over his head, you know, versus trying to play football, you know, and at this point, only the Texans are dealing in his, I guess you can say play uh, right now. Nobody wants to trade for him. So they're only ones that are, capable or palpable to uh, for him to play for and he doesn't want to play for them so yeah I mean it's probably best at this point that he probably sits out this year now I'm not sure what that means in regards to his contract uh, with the Texans um, but there also reports that he's maybe done with the Texans altogether they may just cut bait I don't know what the ramifications of their uh, the logistics of his contract are but I'm curious about what they're going to do um, from that standpoint I mean they did draft the quarterback who I mean he it guy is not, he's not, he's a project. Let's just put it that way. He's not, uh, he's not going to be anywhere close to what Deshaun was or is. But my thing is, uh, you know, for Deshaun, I just think that this, this thing needs to play out and needs to rectify it as soon as possible, get his legal battles under control. Then he can come back and focus on football. But yet again, like I said, what does it mean for his contract? How much money is he going to lose, you know, for him sitting out a year? Um, you know, can the Texans void his contract based upon this? You know, I mean, what are the ramifications? What is the legal uh, red tape in this contract that, that's going to play out in this situation that's going to rear his ugly head, maybe so, um, when it comes down to his status with the team? Because it seems as if now the Texans are trying to move away from him on top of the fact that he, just from the durations of the cases playing out, he'd probably be out for the year. So it's just a rough time, man. It's a rough time for him. And I just... I can't let it go. I mean, it's I, I I'll be, like I said, if it doesn't ever come to light that the sex has anything to do with it, then fine. But it just seems really convenient for me when he wants out that that uh that all of a sudden this large and cumbersome court case or court cases come about, and that's just going to take up all his time, and he has no way forward to play uh, football or focus on football for that matter. So it, it's just a rough situation for Deshaun. I wish him well. And I hope that he can rectify that situation and get 
back to doing what he wants to do best, and that's play football and be a good uh, elite and uh, franchise quarterback for somebody's organization. But up until now, it is what it is. So, I, I, like I said, I wish him well in his court cases. Hope he can get that thing, those things rectified. But speaking of franchise quarterbacks, what's about Aaron Rodgers? In this, in this contentious uh, moment he's having with the Green Bay Packers organization. Now, the news broke draft day, you know, primarily by Shefty and a few other people uh, in the uh, world-renowned sports media that Aaron Rodgers was told that he was going to be traded. And then he also uh, went a step forward and told the, the organization and some teammates that he didn't want to come back and return to the Packers at all. And it seems as if it all boils down to his relationship or lack thereof with the GM. Now the GM did, they, he pulled a Houston, Texas move in the sense where he made certain promises to Aaron and, and said he would do certain things and he did not do them. And even went quote unquote, went rogue in drafting Jordan Love, moving up and drafting Jordan Love in the first round to uh, have this uh, contingency plan or follow up fallout plan for when Aaron was done, you know, and, I, I, that's a head scratcher to me because Aaron's numbers didn't worsen indicative of him declining to the point we're trying to move off of him. And then you see him raise his caliber of play and level uh, this past year to a point where he won MVP going away and probably was unanimous. Should have been unanimous if it wasn't. And now you're like, okay, he's clearly got a lot left in the tank. Now what do we do? It's, it's just a weird dynamic. It's just a weird dynamic. And if you had to ask me right now, would he return? Uh, I, I, it's not looking good. It's not looking good. <laughs> and it seems as if the only thing that was going to rectify the situation is if Jim gets fired. Now, that puts the president in a quandary. Like I said, they don't have an owner, but they have a president and GM for all those people. Uh, different weird dynamic when it comes to Green Bay. I think that the, the, the town owns the team versus it, it actually being an owner like Jerry Jones or somebody like that. So, it's just a weird situation. So, if the president decides he wants to fight a gym and he ride with Aaron, right? Aaron probably got about five, I give him about five years worth of football left, you know, in in that in that uh frame, right? So would that be a right move? And they could get back to you know find a gym that's going to uh, cater to Aaron, quote unquote, and get him some uh, help and try to get them over the hump because they made consecutive uh, NFC title games and had got to the Super Bowl when they should have probably, at least in one instance, they could have beat the Bucks, had the Bucks on the ropes and couldn't beat them. You know, so do you try to capitalize on that? Because, I mean, oh, let's be honest, trying to make it to the Super Bowl, you win Super Bowls are few and far between. Some people never get there. Some people never win them. You had teams out there now that have never won a title. So do you go to the side of the quarterback or you go to the side of the GM now? The GM, I don't want to say they're down a dozen, but I, I would have to say I would lean towards Tyler with Aaron and try to ride the wave because no matter what you do, I mean, outside of uh, uh, some weird happening with a franchise quarterback or maybe Deshaun Watson when he gets his legal troubles out of uh, harm's way, he could probably be the heir apparent to maybe the Packers, but there's no quarterback uh, of any close caliber to Aaron Rodgers that's going to be uh, beneficial for you and Green Bay going forward. So that being said, you have to get as much out of that vehicle, that that premium vehicle that is Aaron Rodgers that you can. You know, because when you go back to the Brett Favre situation, you know, bringing his name up again, it 
he was Rain Rogers was the heir apparent. So you were going to go from good to great. I mean, you won't go from great to even greater. Let's just say it that way. You know, so you're not you're not going to be in that position this time because your love is not what Aaron Rodgers was to Brett Favre or anything of that caliber. So if you have Jordan Love and he's really not sure what he can and cannot do, I mean, hell, he was on the practice squad for the most part, you know, throughout the uh, season. So it doesn't tell me right there that he's not grasping the system. He needs time to develop. He needs something. But he's not going to be anywhere close to Aaron Rodgers, and you're going to have a drop-off if you go with Jordan Love and let Aaron Rodgers walk out the door. So I would say I would – I would I would roll a dice and, and I like my odds at least five more years of being dominant and being in the conversation of being a Super Bowl contender versus starting over. So if that if that came if he had to make a business decision to say that I would you got to find a gym and keep Aaron I would say find a gym and keep Aaron and let's 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 mend defenses because where if you let Aaron walk you know if you have to eat the dead money let him retire do whatever you're going to take a step back and the, and the team is not going to be the team that you've been accustomed to it over the last 20 years. Let's just be honest. So, you know, 25 years more so, maybe longer. So with that being said, I think that the president has a very difficult task ahead of trying to mend fences with Aaron. And if Aaron's only um, resolution is to fight a gym, then you might have to bite the bullet. But which under no circumstances that you let Aaron Rodgers walk out the door or retire and not play for the Packers if he's especially if he continues wanting to play football. He needs to play for the Packers. That's your best option. Get him some help. Get him whatever he needs. Take this five years. Try to win as many Super Bowls as you possibly can. Even if it's just one, that's more than none. You know, and just let it be. But don't let this GM who like I said, he might have went rogue with the Jordan Love thing, let him ruin a good thing because Aaron Rodgers' talent level, you won't is not walking through the door every day. So that that be that. So, as I alluded to, I brought up Brett Favre's name. Uh, Deion Sanders made my news this week. Um, I'm a follower of Deion Sanders on his Instagram, and you know I like the way like he posts uh, things about his HBCU travels and things of that nature, and all the good things he does in the uh, sports world. You know, <laughs> Prime is on my list of one of those people that are very, very close to being brown reproach when it comes to certain things because they just do so good, so many good things for the community, the people, you know, players, the the game. They've just they've just done everything, everything he touched, all turned into gold in certain regards. Like he was a hell of a player. No matter where he went, he was dominant. And he's even being more dominant off the field with his philanthropy and his giving of his time to HBCUs and mentoring and being a uh entertainer on television. You know, he just he just does everything right, practically. Like it just seems that way. He does very little that's you scratch your head at. But yet again, we're all human and we all make mistakes. Because he decided this week that he was going to put Brett Favre on his Instagram as a, a repost of his draft story. Uh, I think the NFL did like a piece on him and how he rose from uh, being drafted on his bed, sitting on his bed, you know, saying he's going to be drafted by the Falcons and. Or went all the way to uh, Hall of Fame career. But of course, you know, Brett Favre has been in the news and been on my podcast and my sports talk show with Coach and Kurt about the fact that he made these uh, racially charged comments about Derek Chauvin and saying that he didn't mean to, he don't think he meant to murder George Floyd and 
and a few other things that were very shaky and questionable and, and to me in my mind very dog whistle like when it comes down to uh, <laughs> uh catering to the racist republican ish an order you know the trumpish order in 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 the, in large regard so yet again i mean that goes back to me arguing the idea about brian erlacher and brett Favre making comfortable comments now because they don't have nothing to lose like they they got their gold jacket they've they made their money they're done playing they don't have to depend on anybody that's in a minority uh arena that will push back on the comments and have something to say and maybe cost them something down the line so they're very comfortable so what that tells me that you've been harboring or hiding the truth about yourself all this time and that now that you have nothing for people to uh push back on you for because you you know you're retired and you're living a good life and all of a sudden the true you comes out and i got a problem with that and 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 i have issue with with prime time you know really and truly defending this like i i mean and i'm not gonna say he defended it because his post didn't say he defended it but he knew that people was gonna have an issue with him posting brett Favre on his timeline and of course the comments were hot and heavy about how could you do this and you know what what type of person do you think Brett Favre really is? And you know, and to me, he's he's shown truly and completely who he is. You know, a guy from Mississippi and very detached from what people of color go through, and to the point where he's leaning real hard right on his on his white privilege. Point blank and period for me. But yet again. It didn't stop Prime from posting him, telling him he loves him and he prays for him. If he's lost, he's a lost soul and very religious in his um, efforts and his comments. So, I mean, I don't, I don't get into that, you know, because I believe that, you know, in a lot of people's cases that, you know, they, they should, you know, give the opportunity to explain and, and rectify their, their wrongdoings or transgressions when the time arises. But, I don't think Brett Favre is sorry for this, and I don't think he is. He didn't mean what he said. I think he meant what he said, and I think that it's a slap in the face to all people of color. And I just have an issue with Prime defending it, like you know. And I can, I can, I can't go as as far as saying he defended him. I can't say that. I can't say that. But the fact that he posted him, what news going to cause controversy? So with that being said, yes, I don't understand that you want to. Give him a fair chance and forgive him and pray for him and because that's your friend and Brett Favre even commented and said he loved him, which is very confusing to me because you say you love Dion. Dion's a person of color and Dion very well could have been Derek Chauvin in any regard his whole life. And my my issue with the situation is this: that had Prime Time or Dion in your teammate at the time been George Floyd in the case, maybe maybe he did not get murdered, but he got harassed and harmed by the police would you have that same energy you know to say that you all oh, you don't think that the cop would meant to hurry Dion and there was no malicious intent there's no looking down on him because he's a minority and treat him like you know, trash or an animal because he's a person of color would you have that same energy you know is it different because George Floyd is a random black guy that you don't know versus prime because he he's a person that you know you play with so you, you care about the people that you've dealt with but you don't care about the other people that you have never dealt with they don't matter to you is that the issue? Because that's what it sounds like to me. You can't pick or choose. Like, because like I said, Dion could have been the same in the same situation. 
and he could be in the same situation going forward. And there are certain cops out there that don't care who you are. It is sad. It's really sad to say, but it's cops that really don't care who you are, and they will, if they will harm you for no other reason, or jump to harm you for no other reason than the fact that you have a melanin in your skin. And for Brett Favre not to recognize that and not having empathy towards that, especially have played with tons of uh, African-American men in, on, on the field of battle, is just completely and utterly way high on your perch of white privilege. And you, it's a, it's, to me, it's a slap in the face to Dion and everybody else. So again, I, don't, I love Dion. That's my guy. But I really think he missed the mark when it comes to defending Brett Favre or posting on his IG because I really don't think that Brett Favre is sorry for what he said. I really don't. So, that being said, Dion, I just felt like they, you missed the mark on that one, bro. I already do. And that's really all I got to say about it. But let's talk about the NFL draft. Let's talk about the NFL draft. Let's get into it, man. I want to talk about, uh, first and foremost, where I feel like I hit and I missed on uh, my mock draft. I think I hit on a few picks, but it was a wild time to turvy the time for the first round, especially. Um, but then I'll get into my draft grades. I'll, I'll give you uh, draft grades of teams in each. And I'll break it down by division and who, who was the winners and who was the losers of the division and, and why. And, you know, give a quick uh, broad stroke overview of what I felt like, um, you know, it happened, how the draft happened and how it shook out and, and who was the winners and who was the losers. So let's get into it, man. Let's do it. So as we do our draft recap here, I want to preface this by saying before I show this, is that my mock draft was way off. I did hit on a couple of sneaky picks that I think they landed and a lot of people didn't call. But man, much like anybody else, everybody else's mock draft, it was way off. All those trades that happened at the front of the draft as well totally just blew up everybody's mock. So it is, it is what it is. I mean, it's all fun and games though. You know, we definitely do these things, you know, for content and uh, and allure and, uh, you know, so people can understand what we think that how the draft may shake out. But it's always moving pieces, so but let's check it out, man. Let's see what, how we fared. Uh, you know, as you can see in green, were the ones I did hit on, and uh, and that was pretty much it. I think I hit on one, two, three, four, five, six out of thirty-two. Six out of thirty-two, which is in the great percentage, but it is what it is. I mean, the first two picks were gimmies. Uh, Justin Fields uh, going to the Niners was uh, swap with Trey Lance. Trey Lance ended up going there, but um. I did call J.C. Horn going to the Panthers. I did call Mac Jones going to the Patriots. I did call Quiddy Pay going to the Colts. And they called Rashad Bateman going to the Ravens. And those two last two ones I'm proud of because, uh, you know, we can guesstimate that, you know, Mac Jones and J.C. Horn, Horn went to the Panthers and the first two picks were gimmies. But Rashad Bateman and Quiddy Pay going to the Colts and the, and the Ravens definitely was a good call out. And I definitely hit on those. But um, outside of that, though, man, you know, <laughs> It, like I said, it, it just it shook up really, really different in a lot of regards. And, you know, people got uh, different players that you might have not expected or called when it came down to doing a mock before the draft happened. But let's talk about draft grades as a whole, though. Let's talk about that. Um, as you can see, if you're watching on YouTube, that um, it's up on the screen here. But, um, you know, for the audience at home, I'll, uh, I'll, talk, I'll talk through it. But um, these are my draft grades that I felt like that uh, landed uh, people from, you know, landed as a result of people's picks in the draft. And uh, it was some some really good things happening, some really bad things happened. Uh, and I just, just the way the draft shakes out. But uh, let's start in the NFC East with the Giants. And I felt like the Giants had a, 
an interesting draft because they, you know, uh, Gettleman has never been the type to trade back. You know, he always stays pat or trades up, but he never trades back. So him trading down in this in this situation was definitely uh, news, and we definitely wasn't expecting it. So of course that threw a monkey wrench in a lot of people's plan. But overall, I mean, I think they did good for themselves. Now I'm gonna preface this by saying when I give these grades out that they are based upon the idea that not only the draft class itself, but how that also meshes and comes into the team is building a, a complete and 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 complete unit of a team. So how they help their team fill holes that they need is is what weighs into the scale of me grading. So it's not just about whether or not you had a great class. They might have an A class, but if the A class doesn't fill all your needs, that will uh, that will pretty much give you a lower grade because you don't have all your needs to fill. Now, if you had a great class and you need all your needs to be filled, you get a a, a shining uh grade. But again, there's always deficiency in this, so uh, take that into consideration as I give these grades. So uh, the Giants were first on my list, and I give them a B minus. I think they filled uh, some needs, but I was very shocked that they went receiver after uh, going heavy after Galladay in the uh, free agency market. Uh, they picked up Kadarius Tony and Aziz Ozilari, so I think they were two good picks. Um, so, and I think that those two picks, which were uh, a luxury in a sense and a need. Um, pretty much rounded out their roster, in my opinion. And they did pick up a corner in the third, uh, Aaron Robinson. So that, f- to me, gives them about a B minus. I think that they were um, really aggressive early in the draft, their first three picks. And um, that addressed in talent, and in the talent level that they, they get in the first three rounds is, is going to be uh, on the field, in my opinion, uh, early on. So I think that as a team, as a whole, from free agency to the draft, they get a B minus. I give them a B minus. It was a pretty good uh, turnout for them in free agency and a draft. So, and they feel went after needs and talented people at those needs, which basically boils down to them getting a B B minus. Now the Cowboys are next on this, and ah man, uh, I was very happy for Michael Parsons in their first pick. They did trade back a little bit, um, but I have to say, I mean, outside of me getting Drew Brill Cox. Late in the fourth, I'm I'm scratching my head at at what they did. I know they need to go heavy defense, and they had a lot of picks, but it seemed like they didn't hit on much. Like a lot of these guys will be trial by fire, in a sense, uh, where they're going to have to be play, they're going to have to play, be forced to play. But I'm just not sure from a talent perspective what they're doing here and how well their defense is going to uh, fare come the regular season. That offense should be great. And obviously they had a whole lot of problems, but defensively they still like they have a whole lot of deficiencies. I'm just saying. And I heard rumors uh, uh, this uh, this past Monday about Keanu Neal transitioning to linebacker. As the linebacker room is crowd already. They did pick up Layton Vandress's fifth year option. You got Jalen Smith making big money. You got Michael Parsons there now, and you got Keanu Neal playing linebacker. Is that a safety? Very odd. Their secondary needs a lot of help, I mean, especially if Keanu Neal is not going to play safety at all. Uh, they got Kelvin Joseph as a cornerback, but uh, I think they missed out on a people, a few people that were more uh, highly talented than him. So I, I have to give the the Cowboys a C plus. I think they have to give them a C plus, but trying to fill holes. But I just think they might have missed the mark and just went heavy defense, even if the guys weren't that talented. So the football team is up next in that in uh in this list, and 
I have to say, I was very happy that they got uh, Jamin Davis and shouts out to Jared Patterson for signing a unrestricted free agency deal with the uh, football team uh, as he went on drafted, which was very surprising to me after all the records he broke. But um, I think their first two picks were good. I, I think the, getting Jamin Davis, which will really uh, be a good cog in that defense is always already great. And he'll be able to run free with his athleticism, um, which is a really good pick. Um, Sam Cosme was a good offensive tackle pickup. So they definitely showed up that particular, uh, uh, I guess they showed up that front for the O-line and go along with Brandon Scherf, uh, trying to rebuild themselves from the Trent Williams loss. So um, I have to say overall though, I mean, just based upon the fact that they, uh, again, much like the Cowboys, they didn't land. They got a lot of picks, but they didn't land um, any hotty total talent outside of the first two picks. I would say that they, I'll give them a C. I'll give them a solid C. Um, again, their defense got better with jamming on it because the defense are really good. They need a good solid middle linebacker to go along with their front. And with that front being so stout, he's going to be able to run free and make plays. I think that was a good pick. And I think Co- uh, Cosme was a good pick off, off from off the tackle perspective. So that was a good pick. But I, so I give him a solid C. It's a regular C. Now, the Eagles. <laughs> oh, man, the Eagles. I, 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 I call them the question. They did trade up to get Devontae Smith. And Devontae Smith was a good player. I think Landon Dickinson is a good uh, old lineman. But. Yet again, that's when the wheels fall off of me. That's when the wheels fall off of me. I, I'm, I'm curious to whether or not these smaller receivers, Rager and Devontae Smith, can hold up overall, um, given Jalen Hurts' targets. And they got two good tight ends. I just think they need a bigger pass catcher, somebody with a bigger radius. And they got two smaller, speedier receivers, guys you need to get in space. They can't play outside, classic outside receiver. I don't know. I'm a little, I'm a little iffy on this one, but... um. I mean, they still got a solid O line, and they got Landon Dickinson coming in, which is which adds some youth to that room. Um, you know, but that's pretty much it. I mean, I I, I definitely give them um, I give them a C plus. I definitely give them a C plus for that because I think I really like their first two picks. But outside of that, falling down from there, I don't, I don't, I don't, uh, I'm not too fond of the rest of their picks. And uh, yeah, they got some roster building to do, and I really feel like they're probably fighting for fourth place in that division at this point. So. Give him a C plus, but yeah, they got a lot of work to do. So moving over to the Packers, <laughs> this this uh uh getting great, getting towards dumpster fire territory with this Aaron Rodgers situation. Yet again, they went in order what they need, but they didn't uh go big heavy splash and get Aaron some help, which I'm sure didn't sit well with him. So I had to give them a C minus. Um, they took Eric Stokes in the first round. I thought they could have picked up a better corner. I think Tyson Campbell's available. They took Eric Stokes instead. Uh, I understand they need to get somebody to help out with uh, help Jair Alexander because Kevin King is an answer for real, although they brought him back. But uh, they got Amari Rodgers and Josh Myers. But overall, I mean, it was a you know okay draft. I mean, I don't I I can't give him much. And being that they really contentious at a contentious point where Aaron Rodgers, I gotta give him a C minus. Gotta give him a C minus. So the Bears are up next, and the Bears uh, made me smile <laughs> with them trading up to get Justin Fields. And then they doubled down on it by getting Tevin Jenkins in the second uh, to get him some help. Now, they did let go uh, their, their uh, also tackle uh, right after that. Like, literally Monday morning, I think they let him go. Uh, he had been there. I think Charles Leno, they had been there for a while, but they let Charles Leno go. Um, so I guess they're going to do some shifting around at O-lineman, but Tevin Jenkins should come in and, and start right away. Uh, and picking up and picking up Justin Fields uh, is definitely great for that organization. They hadn't had a 
franchise quarterback, you know, in my lifetime. So I think that they could be on their way to having a franchise quarterback for the foreseeable future. So that's good for them. And just for that particular aspect, and they really, that's what their biggest need was. I give them a B. I give them a B for filling that biggest need because Andy Dalton and Nick Foles when that's the answer. And Justin Fields is. And just a matter of how long it takes for him to play. But once he starts playing, it will definitely pan out for them, in my opinion, because Justin Fields is a player. So I give him a B. So the Vikings are up next, and I give the Vikings a B minus. Uh, I did, uh, again, the Vikings are very blue collar. Like they don't uh, get too high or too low, but they definitely, uh, they definitely scout well. I give, I give them credit. Definitely scout well, and they definitely pick up talent um, where it needs, where they, where they need it at. Uh, they picked up Christian Derrishaw off his alignment. They pick up Wyatt Davis later on. They got Kellen Mond from Texas A&M was a quarterback, so he'll be back up to Kirk Cousins. Maybe he'll be the heir apparent come soon when they're done with Kirk Cousins' contract. But um, they definitely needed help um, on the offensive line, and um, and they got a good they got a good inside linebacker as well. So I definitely give them I give them a solid I give them a solid solid B minus in that because I really feel like they as a whole roster with their rookies and their and their veterans. Making their roster out to be about a B minus, so I give them credit for that. Now the Lions, now they definitely shocked me with the idea of going O line early on. They got Panisul. I was very shocked by them going that instead, instead of splashing and getting a defensive player. But then they got a uh, Levi. Uh, um, yeah, I can't pronounce his last name, but it's a defensive tackle uh, from uh, from Washington. I give them credit for that, and they got. Um, Melifanu, Ifa to Melifanu, cornerback later on in the draft um, in the third round. So that was a good pickup. Um, so I'll give him a solid C+. Plus. I think they still, and I, and I say C+, plus is the reason why they still got a long way to go. I think they got a lot of holes to fill. They, still got a, they, they need receivers still. Um, they're still rebuilding the old line. Penny Sue's going to be a good left tackle for Jared Goff. Um, you know, they still trying to figure out where their running game is going to be with DeAndre Swift and those guys. And But um, with uh, Melifanu in, in – um, and their last year's uh, first round pick, uh, the cornerback, uh, his name is escaping me right now for some reason. But um, yeah, with him, uh, those two being a solid staple young corners for them, they even should get better, but they'll still think they're probably fighting for fourth in the division as well. So I'll give him a solid C plus. plus. So yeah, so we're moving on to the NFC South. The Saints were a head scratcher. I don't know what they were doing. I really don't. I, I really can't tell you what they were doing with their draft picks. And none of them made really, none of them made any sense. The first round pick was Peyton Turner. I'm like, okay, the end. But he was, it was better DNs on the on the board. And any, they got Ian Book in the fourth quarterback. I'm like, what are you doing there? Yeah, they, they that's I, I had to scratch my head on that one. They, I had to give him a D. Their, their draft was bad. I, it really was. I didn't. None of their picks made sense to me. I, I didn't like it at all. At all, and it didn't help their, uh, high salary cap roster. I had to give him a D in that regard. So they still got needs on the defensive side of the ball, especially that they got to figure out. Now the Panthers uh, were intriguing to me because I felt like they had a sneaky good draft. They had a sneaky good draft. I I, I like what they did. They went out and got JC Horn, which I called. And they got Terrence Marshall in the second, which is a really good pickup. Uh, Chubba Hubbard, uh, they got in the fourth round, which is a really good picking up. And I think he was a sleeper in the draft. And I think they went heavy. Uh, they did a mixture. They, got a, they went a mixture of offense and defense. They got good players on both sides of the ball. And I think that, that makes the team just that much better and, and got Sam Donald another weapon or two. 
So I think that holistically, between the last two drafts and that where they rostered Sam Donald quarterbacking, I really give them a B. I like what they did in the draft. I think they maximized their spot and picked their best player available from the position of need that they had and they rebuilt. So I give them a solid B for the draft. It was a good draft for them. Now the Bucks, now the Bucks are playing with house money here. Uh, and I really, I didn't think they was going to get a high grade for the simple fact that they just really didn't really need to draft for real. They could have really tried to trade their picks for later, you know, draft capital later. But they picked up Kyle Trash. They picked up Joe Tryon. You know, I mean, it wasn't nothing really sexy about their picks, but I'll give them a C plus. Their draft wasn't lackluster, but their roster is all all the way back. All the Everybody from the Super Bowl run is back, including Antonio Brown, who just signed just recently. So, uh, you know, I'll give them a C plus for the draft and the, and how they fit into the roster as a whole. But overall, the still the roster still an A. You know, so I give them a C plus for the draft. Now the Falcons, <laughs> I was I was scratching my head a little bit about whether or not they were going to take Kyle Pitts, but they did. They took Kyle Pitts in the first round. Um, but after that, it it got uh, it got interesting. Um, and I was thinking that they would try heavy. Um, pick up heavy defense, but um, they got Richie Grant in the second. I think that was a good pick up. Jalen Mayfield. So, yeah, I, I think for the first half of the draft, it definitely was good. I think Richie Grant is going to be a player for them from a stadium perspective. And they got Jalen Mayfield, who was a good tackle for them, a good right tackle. So that should help them out in the long term. So, I, I overall, I would say I'll give them C plus, B minus. I'm, I'm going I'm to settle on the B minus for them because uh, Cal Pitts is a player and Richie Grant is a player. So is Jalen Mayfield. I mean, Cal Pitts makes up a lot of that. Like, I think his Debbie minus is a lot of, of the fact that Cal Pitts fits in the office, and the office is just stellar at this point. I mean, what is almost unguardable if you play it right. Almost unguardable if you play it right. So, yeah. So, moving on to the NFC West, uh, the 49ers up first, and um, they're they a bit of a head stretcher for me in drafting as well. I'm a little, um, I was a little taken aback after the first round. Of course, they got Trey Lance with the first pick. Um, it was between him and Mac Jones, and I'm just glad they didn't pick Mac Jones. Um, but out, outside of that, I just don't think they really splashed anywhere outside of getting Trey Sherman in the third. I think Trey Sherman was a good pickup. Ohio State running back. I think that was a good pickup for them. So that uh, that with Trey Lance and having their future franchise quarterback built, I would say that they get a solid C. I'll give them a solid C for their pickups because everybody else just was a head scratcher. But they, with those two picks, out of, out of all of them were pretty solid. So I'll give them a C. The Seahawks, though, and I'm not even going to spend a whole lot of time on this. The Seahawks, their picks were bad. Every single one of them. I don't like nothing that they picked. They only had three picks, and all of them were bad. All of them were bad. I, I, I just don't I just don't like any of their picks. I really don't. And I give them, I give them a whole flat-out D-minus. It was bad. It was a bad draft. It was a bad draft. They might as well not even picked. That's how I feel about it. They might as well not even pick. That's how bad it was. And I'm not even going to get into who they picked. So we move on to the Rams. <laughs> the Rams, I did this. This was another head scratcher for me. And holistically, if you if you're reading this, the NFC West probably had the, the worst grading of the entire draft in as a whole in the whole entire NFL. But yet again, we want to get into what the Rams did, which wasn't much, you know. In all honesty, they picked up a uh, Tutu Atwell, who's a hundred fifty seven pound. Wide receiver with their second pick, with their second round pick. Didn't understand it at all. And what is he going to do for you? Picking him that high, what is he going to do for you? Outside of him being fast, I mean, he's 157 pounds. What is he really going to do for you? And any, 
That's the quick pick after that. There was no noteworthy names on here. They had a bunch of picks in the later rounds, and they did nothing, hardly anything with them. I mean, there might be scheme fits. I could be, you know, totally all base here, and they may fit well into an evade scheme, but I just don't see it. From a talent perspective, I just don't see it. I gave him a C minus. I, re- I gave him a C minus. I probably should have gave him a D, but I'm going to be gracious and give him a C minus because I think that my Stavis is an upgrade, and and I just don't know where the rest of you guys fit. So I'm going to give him a C minus. Teeter on D, though. Now, the Cardinals, and I thought they were in prime position to really get better in the draft as well. And I thought they would go corner uh, in the first round, but they picked up a linebacker by, Zave, by the name of Xavier Collins. It's also outside linebacker. When they just took Isaiah Simmons in the previous draft, a high. So I was a little bit scratching my head on that one, but uh, they definitely made up for uh, in the second round of picking Rondell Moore. Rondell Moore was a really good receiver he got in the second round. Then they picked up Marco Wilson in the third round, in the fourth round, but I'm like, you had an opportunity to get a corner of a higher caliber that you really needed by losing Patrick Peterson, and you didn't take advantage of it. So, I had to give him a C minus. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know about Xavier Collins. I'm not sure how he's going to work in that defense, whether or not he's going to play because they're really stacked um, in the in the front. But yeah, I think Rondell Moore is low on the depth chart because there's so many receivers in the room already. You know, we don't know if Fitz is coming back, but we still got AJ Green and Kirk, Hopkins, Isabella, and it goes on and on. So automatically, he's already uh, fighting for little to no playing time. I gave him a C minus overall. I gave him a C minus. And moving on to the AFC East, start with the Patriots. Now we know we, we all know what the Patriots did in uh, for agency, which was very uncharacteristic. But they they didn't uh, let that stop them from drafting pretty well. Um, they got they got their quarterback of the future, Mac Jones, in the first round, and then second round they got Christian Barmore, another D tackle, you know, with a mean streak in in the second round. Yeah, Ronnie Perkins, another DN in the third round, which is really sneaky good. Um, and they got a couple of other role players here. So um holistically, with Mac Jones and Barmore and Perkins being in that defense and Mac Jones learning the system and being the franchise quarterback, how to give the pages a B holistically, how they guys fit perfectly into that system. Had to give them a B. It was a, it was a good draft for the for the Patriots, I think. Because they, again, they didn't jump or reach for anything and they got all scheme guys to fit their fit what they like to do in uh, in new england so i give him give, give give bill credit for that and the bills the bills are impressing me more and more every day they are really are because they're really on top of the game and i because I, I addressed the issue of them needing a pass rush and they doubled down on it in the first two rounds and they got two really good players they got greg russo uh, from Miami, and they got Carlos Basham from Wake Forest, two booking DNs. So they said, we're not going to get one pass rush, we're going to get two. <laughs> and uh, they pick up some good role players in the, in the middle rounds and um, literally fill every need that they had. Uh, they got two offensive tackles, the cornerback late, they got a wide receiver and a safety. They, uh, they're ready to go. They're ready to go. They got two tackles for now, two tackles for later. Got two good pass rushers, which is the only thing they really were lacking in their defense, which will make the defense that much better. So I had to give the Bills a B as well. They had they had a great draft, I think. They had a great draft. Moving on to the Jets. Now, I'm a little bit torn about the Jets, and, I, and that's not tell you why. I really feel like the Jets had a good draft. I really feel like they did. Uh, they got Zach Wilson with his first pick, obviously, their franchise quarterback, who's going to start right away. Then they moved back up in the trade and got Larry Javier Tucker to help the O-line. And he got Elijah Moore in the second round as a wide receiver to give uh, Zach Wilson a weapon. And they picked up Michael Carter and a few other people um, in the middle rounds, which was very good 
uh, from a role player perspective, you know, special teams are in, 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 you know, fit certain scheme and roles and situational things. Um, but my problem with the, the Jets is this, is that even if they are, they are literally uh, better today than they were last year and a couple of years before that, they're still probably fighting for fourth place in the division. So the roster still got holes. I mean, who's going to be the number one receiver for sure and who's going to stay healthy? Who's the running? Who's the running back for sure? Because they got, like I said, they got Michael Carter in in the, in the fourth round. But who's going to be the bell cow running back? The old line still got a couple of pieces missing. You know, tight end still a question. You know, defense is a, is a is some is a, got got a lot of questions on it. So yet again, I mean, I, the draft was great. And I think for them to totally revamp this roster and flip it in one year was great. I had to give them a B minus. I had to give them a B minus, but. I think that they're still fighting for the fourth place. I really would probably wouldn't want to give them a higher grade, but I think that they definitely are fighting for fourth place. So it's kind of rough. They got the their roster as a whole with the draft is still uh, less than their counterparts in the division. So had to had to bring them down a notch. Had to bring them down down a notch, but they had a good draft. All right, so the Dolphins are up next, and I had to give them a B minus as well. Uh, I do like the fact that they uh, picked up. Jalen Phillips in the first round, but the Jalen Waddle pick kind of kind of had me scratch my head because I feel like Tua needs protection, and I think they should have gone offensive lineman earlier. They got one later. They got Liam uh, Eichenberg from Notre Dame in the second, but I think they should have went no line. Maybe got Jalen Mayfield, Cream uh, Humphrey, somebody like that earlier on in the draft to help protect Tua because he has to stay on script. He needs protection. <laughs> he needs big time protection and stay so he can stay on script. Um, so I think they kind of missed the ball there, but uh, Jalen Waddles is a good weapon for him. Got to be able to get the ball out of there. So I, I, I give it a B minus. I do like their roster and I do like their uh, draft picks. I just feel like they should have went O line versus wide receiver. But yeah, yet again, reunited teammates. So that was the theme of the draft. <laughs> Let's get into the Browns. The Browns are much like the Bills. They're impressing me verily. They're impressing me verily. Their picks. Their picks in the draft were amazing in the first couple of rounds. They picked up Greg Newsom in the first round, which I thought they might go linebacker, but they let uh, the they rolled the dice and let uh, Jeremiah Owosu Kumaroa fall to them in the second. So they have literally got another corner to go along with that already stout defense secondary, and then got a linebacker who's a great cover, run stopping and cover linebacker from uh, Notre Dame in the second. So they definitely have really filled every need, in my opinion. So I had to give them a B. They filled every need just with those two picks. And everything else is a luxury. And their defense is going to be stout on paper, and their offense is already good. So they could probably use another receiver. If OBJ comes back and they got those two good receiver tight ends and, and, and uh, People Jones and those guys is filling in, they're good. So I'll definitely give the Browns a B. So moving over to the Ravens. Honestly and truly, I have to be honest with you, I really didn't like the Ravens draft outside of Rashad Bateman. Um, I think that uh, some of these guys could play situationally, but I mean, I think Rashad Bateman's the only clear-cut guy, uh, and maybe the outside linebacker they drafted as well could play potentially, but I think Rashad Bateman will show play. Um, big target wide receiver for Lamar, but outside of that, I didn't didn't like the draft too well. I had to give him a C on that. I really had to give him a C. Um, because yet again, I really feel like they need to get two receivers and and replace. Uh, that's what I and I think that's where it got to see at for me. They traded Ronnie Staley and got that second overall pick, 
but they went defense. They got Ben Cleveland as a guard, but he's a guard. They need a tackle to replace. Uh, they got Ronnie Stanley coming back, but Orlando Brown Jr., I'm sorry. Orlando Brown Jr. is the one they need to replace, and they didn't replace him. So unless they're going to reach in for agency for a one-year deal guy, that's a hole. And mobile quarterback or not, you got to protect the man and not get him hurt. So I think they missed the ball on that. So moving on to the Steelers. The Steelers had an interesting draft. Um, I called them picking Najee Harris um, with their pick. Did I? Yeah, they picked Najee Harris, and I, I, I called that one. They picked up a tight end, which people seem to like more than I do because um, I really feel like they should have went O-line in the second round. Uh, but they went third O-line in the third round and the fourth round. So I'm going to give them a solid C. I'm going to give them a solid C. They still got a lot of holes in the offensive line. I got to rebuild that. Um, but Najee Harris was a great pick, so that gave them a solid C for me. So that moving on to the Bengals real quick. <laughs> the Bengals... Yet again, I feel like they missed the boat when it came down to uh, picking up a good offensive lineman early, and they went Jamar Chase as opposed to picking up Panay Sewell or Rashad Shots later. Now, I'm not mad at you completely because Rashad Slater fell to us at the San Diego, in LA, San Diego, LA, and we definitely needed that. So we appreciate you for skipping it. But taking Jamar Chase over O lineman was a little bit head scratcher for me. So I gave them a C. Um, they did pick up Jackson Carmen in the second round from Clemson. But he isn't Penny Sewell or Rashad Slater, so I got a dingy for that. Um, but he did pick up a edge rusher by the name of a guy by the name of Joseph Osai, who's really good. So I mean, overall, I think they still got some ways to go in their roster and their whole line still in flux. But I would I had to give him a solid C. So moving over to the AFC South, the Colts. The Colts picked up uh some interesting folks in the draft, and uh, I think people are really sleeping on this. Uh like I said, called Quitty Pay. Um Going in the first round, and they double down again and get another DN uh, from Vanderbilt. Deo Obin Obin by Odimbo yeah, Deo Odimbo from Vanderbilt. So they went, they doubled down and got two defensive ends to go along with uh, DeForest Buckner in the middle. So that was a sneaky good move. So I think that that was the only really glaring hole that they needed, either picking up Carson Wentz and have the receivers they have and the running back they have already, and the defense coming back. So I had to give him a B. I definitely give him a B for that. Definitely looking good. So the Jaguars were next. And of course, they had the number one overall pick. They picked up Trevor Lawrence. That was automatic. Like, that's an A pick, clearly. Um, they picked up Travis Etienne in the second round. They picked up Tyson Campbell in the third. <laughs> that right there. I mean, Walker Little as well is a good pickup. But those four, th- two to three picks in the draft right there gave him a B plus for me because those were slam dunks. It was a slam dunk pick. So they got a, a playmaker running back. They got a clearly the franchise quarterback. Tyson Camp was a good corner going on with CJ Henderson. And uh and then picking up Walker Little in the in the in the second round, in the second round was another good pick. So I think they definitely hit home and and fulfilled a lot of glaring holes and needs that they had in Jacksonville. So I gave him a B plus. Titans. Titans are a bit of a head scratcher for me. Um, as well, because they had needed, had a lot of needs in the in the secondary, especially. But um, they picked up Caleb Farley in the first round. That was a great pick. Um, I, I you know his his back issues are, are are what they are. But hopefully he can have a clean bill of health and play well. Um, the second round pick, uh, Dylan uh Randus was scratching. I scratched my head. Uh, Elijah Molden picked up in the third round was pretty decent from a corner perspective. But outside of that, I really feel like those draft was kind of lackluster. Um, they needed uh, linebacker help, needed O-line help, needed receiver help. Uh, you know, they needed a lot of things. 
Um, and they could have been more aggressive early on in the draft to address those needs, and I don't think they did. So holistically, I think they were about a C plus. The Texans must like the uh, Seattle Seahawks were horrible in the draft. And this cat, I'm just going to just say his name real quick. Uh, <laughs> Davis Mills from Stanford. They picked up a quarterback from Davis Mills, who may end up being me, end up maybe in the starter because with Tyrod Taylor's there. But Davis Mills may be the starter. Who knows with with uh, Deshaun being out of the commission right now? So we don't know what that is. But their draft was was completely bad. Same with the Seahawks. Completely bad. Gave him a D. Moving over to the AFC West, uh, I have to uh, give the Chiefs a little bit of credit here. Um, overall, by revamping the O-line and picking up Creed Humphreys in the second round was a definitely a good get. Now, they do have two centers now, Austin Blythe and him, so who's going to play center or oh, somebody can move over to guard? But the O-line got much better. I had to give them credit. But outside of that, what's, what's, what's bothering me about the Chiefs is this. Their defense still sucks. <laughs> it really does. They got Nick Bolton in the second round. Uh, inside linebacker from Missouri, which is pretty decent in uh, in, in between the tackles. But um, he may be a little limited silent and silent. And outside of that, they didn't pick up anybody noteworthy defensively, and the defense still sucks. I had to give him a C-. I love their offense. They're all offense, no defense. And that could come back to bite you in the league, especially when you play a higher-end talent. Now, leads it to my team, the Chargers. Now, <laughs> I had to really, really analyze this because I was scratching my head in the middle rounds at first. But I had to had to get had to get in the lab watch some film. Now Rashad Slater was a slam dunk pick. That was a great pick for us. We needed that really really bad, and that's a slam dunk for us. That might be the, the steal of the draft. Picked up a Sunday Samuel in the second round was another steal. He fell to us. Needed a corner really bad. Definitely picked up a good corner that we needed in the second round. Great pick. I was kind of scratching my head at the Josh Palmer pick at first because I was like, yeah, we needed a slot receiver, but. I was like, there are other guys out there, and I feel like we needed more depth at corner or uh, edge rusher. And I think we're trying to get Joseph aside and a few other guys. We're trying to get land them. And I was like, well, if we don't, we need to land that first before we go receiver. But they did pick up Josh Palmer. And the more I say about watching Josh Palmer, the more I liked him. Now, he did have a horrible quarterback in Tennessee, but the kid can play. The kid can play. Um, and I like Chris Rump. We picked him up as he, Chris Rump needs to gain a little bit of weight. But I think that he's going to be a good, uh, solid 34-edge guy for us. Um, but I think when we go sub-package, Wosu and Bosa will be the main ones rushing. So he might not get a whole lot of opportunities there early. But I think if he puts on some weight, gets stronger, and uses that uh, that long range that he has, that he could be he could be solid for us. The Trey, Mc, Trey McKenzie pick was kind of his head-scratcher, but we could definitely could use another tight end. So it was a tight a position of need. And Nick Neiman uh, is the other person that was kind of underscoring that might be good in situational uh, role play for us on uh, for you know, gives Debbie a linebacker. So overall, I had to give us a B minus because I think that we should have drafted another corner. We had an opportunity to get Melifano and we didn't take it. So I think that we still need another corner. We got Sunday Sammy, we got um, Michael Davis, who we signed back, and then we still got Chris Harris. But we still need one more because I still have to play safety. They were somehow moving the corner, but. As their athletes gonna have to play safety, be him and Derwin back there. So we can use another corner, two corners to help out our secondary. So I'll give us a B minus. Now the Raiders. The Raiders, the Raiders, the Raiders. Only thing I liked about the Raiders pick they picked up uh Trevon Morig, uh the, the safety from TCU. Outside of that, all the pitches picks uh, made me scratch my head. And I didn't get the leatherwood pick in the first round at all. 
uh, it was way better tackles, graded tackles above him in his draft, and they picked him up. I don't get it. I don't get it. And Mayock and, and Gruden have been, been been tripping on themselves for the for the longest when it comes to drafts. So this was another head scratcher for me. I had to give him a D plus. I had to give him a D plus. Didn't like much of anything he did in the draft. So that leads to the Broncos. The Broncos are a, they're a bit of a head scratcher outside of their first two picks. Uh, Patrick Sertan was a great pick for them. They needed a corner. They got to contend with these AFC uh, wide receivers, so that was a great pick for them. Devontae Williams' uh, running back was a good pick for them, but I'm sure Marilyn Gordon's kind of scratching his head like, what about me? Um, outside of that, though, it wasn't much to say about that draft, but I think holistically from free agency, they still could land Aaron Rodgers as a possibility. I think free agency and the draft would give him a solid C. So I would say the winners and losers overall, I think the Jags are a B plus, Patriots are B, Bears B, Bills B, Colts B, Panthers would be. So they're all the winners in that regard. The losers were the Packers, the Rams, the Cardinals, the Chiefs, the Raiders, the Texans, the Saints, and the Seahawks. All with C minus or, or lower grades. And they need uh to fire their scouting department and find somebody else. <laughs> find somebody else. But that's gonna wrap up draft recap. Um stay tuned for Chargers Corners, Lockdown Davis Podcast. And we are back with a quick Chargers Corner. It's the Lockdown Davis Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Defense. I want to do a quick Chargers Corner. I want to give a more uh, quick, more uh, in-depth and complete rundown of what we picked up in the draft. Um, we had a really good draft. A lot of uh, analysts gave us uh, A grades for our draft picks and things of that nature. Um, like I said, I think I gave um, a good, I gave us a B, B minus because I really feel like did certain spots were, especially at that, Trey uh, McKenzie pick. We could have picked up a corner. Um, we definitely need more help in the secondary, um, especially be young and, and try to develop that talent level um, now because we definitely missed some pieces. And, and facing those receivers in our division especially, we need a lot of good corner play, and we're not, we're not uh, there yet. Let's just say there. We're not there yet. So there's a quick rundown. Like I said, we picked up Rashad Slater in the first round, which was a great pickup for us. We definitely need a left tackle, and we solidified that with him and Balago on the bookends. Uh, O'Day Obushe on one side, Matt Filer, and Corey Lindsley in the middle. Great O-line. I'm loving our O-line. It's definitely a good look. Got uh, Jerry Cook as our, uh, I guess you can say, um, stopgap tight end. Um, so we can address that because we lost Hunter Henry on free agency. But uh, we did pick up a Sunday Samuel in the second round. I love that. Love that pickup. That was a great pickup. He's a good, fiery, uh, uh, feisty corner. Play re- really good in run game and can cover as well. Much like his dad. Uh, number three was Josh Palmer, wide receiver. Now, I, I was a little bit uh, wondering why we went wide receiver here, but um, after I saw him on tape, I understood why. The kid can play, and I think he just needs a quarterback to throw him the ball effectively, and I think, of course, Justin can do that more than, be more capable of doing that. So, 
Uh, I do like his, his film and, and uh, the plays he made against top-end SEC talent, uh, Sertan and others. Um, he made plays against owner complete and regular basis. So he was definitely a good pickup. So I don't mind that one. The Trey uh, McKenzie one, I'm kind of scratching my head because I think we could have picked up a, another corner there. Um, but um, he could be a good uh, second or third tight end for us. Now, the Chris Rump pick I did like because I was – that's another thing. I thought that we could go – uh, edge rusher in the third instead of McKenzie, but um, we went rump in the fourth round. Uh, that's a good pickup for us. I think he'll be a good situational edge rusher for us, a good 34 uh, rusher. Um, but uh, I think he needs to get stronger and, and gain a little bit of weight, but um, I think he'll be solid for us. I picked up Brendan James, uh, offensive tackle in the uh, fifth round from Nebraska. Um, the Nick Neiman pick, Iowa, inside linebacker, uh, was a good pickup. I think that was a little bit of a sleeper pick for us. Um, give us definitely linebacker. Um, then we picked up Larry Roundtree in the in the sixth round of running back, which I kind of scratched my head at that as well because I thought they could have went Jared Patterson or somebody else in that role if he wanted another running back, but they didn't pull the trigger on them. He got Larry Roundtree, who wasn't on anybody's boards. That was probably the most head-scratching pick of the night or the day of the, you know, the, day of the draft. Um, and then they went Mark Webb, uh, safety from Georgia, who's a pretty good run support uh, corner. I mean, safety, but um, doesn't he's not the, the best in coverage, but definitely good run support corner. So he probably plays special teams. So yeah, that's that's that I ran out of the draft for us. Um, I think it was solid. I think we still holistic as a team. We need to solidify the tight end position. Um, the receiving core could use maybe one more playmaker. Um, we need to figure out exactly how we're going to uh, manipulate the running back position. I'm sure Austin Eckers will probably be the main guy, but what is how is the Josh uh how's Justin Jackson gonna play in? That's that's a wild card as well. But how is uh how is Josh Kelly gonna fit into into that role as well? Where is he gonna land? I uh, thought they could bring Caleb Blodge back. That'd be a good change of pace back for us, um as well. So we're kind of wondering what they're gonna do there. But overall, offensively, I think those are the holes we have, and I think corner is our biggest need on defense. So. Um, so yeah, maybe we'll pick up a um, spend some money in free agency uh, after the draft and uh, bring some guys in, maybe try them out on a one year deal. Um, wouldn't mind seeing Kate when Casey's gone, but I wouldn't sign mind seeing Melvin come back as a situational guy as well. So, um, we'll see how it shakes out. But, um, I definitely like our draft, and I think we did uh, ourselves a solid and guys felt us, you know, as a blessing. So, we definitely looking better on paper as we did from this year to last year. And this Brandon Staley's first time out, so it'll be interesting to see what his uh, rookie head coach can do. I think our defense will be will benefit from him, and hopefully the offense can flourish as well. All right, but that's going to wrap up Chargers Corner. Stay tuned for Lakers Locker Room on the Lockdown Davis Podcast. Lakers locker room. It's the Lockdown Defense Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Defense. I tell you, man, these Lakers uh, really have me in a glass case of emotions. Shout out to Will Ferrell. 
best case of emotions. Because going into the week, I was really optimistic, and I really felt like in my bones that LeBron was going to come back this week and play, and I think we everything was going to be right in the, the world, right? Wrong. Wrong. Shout out to Shadow Murphy. <laughs> I tell you, man, it, it's definitely rough sledding being a Lakers fan right now, I'll tell you, because it's definitely uh, up and down, topsy-turvy. Can't, I mean, you name any uh, adjective that you want to say that it's in flux. Because I felt like the schedule was pretty soft when it came down to uh, who we had to play, especially with Braun coming back. And then we had the ability to, you know, take the majority of these games um, and start to uh, build our chemistry back and play hot basketball going into uh, the playoffs, right? But looking back at it, we had the Magic, the Wizards, the Kings, Toronto, and the Nuggets. Now, looking at that, I would figure on paper that even Braun or no Braun, with AD playing now at a significant high level, um, minute, the number of minutes, that all but, all but one of those games are completely and totally winnable. But what I hate when I tell you that we we sure we surely didn't have Braun for the first two, but the last the well it should have been the last three, but the last uh, the middle two we had Braun for, and we lost both of those. <laughs> his tenderness in his ankle in in the end of the Toronto game and doesn't play with the Nuggets game back to backs, and then we end up winning the Nuggets game. <sighs> Just the weirdest thing ever. <laughs> this is the weirdest thing ever. I mean, I, I can't quantify. I can't. I can't tell you what. Um, you know, you can't write it. You can't write it. You cannot write it. You know. So I was like, okay. I mean, we could be at least four and one, and then and we be, if we had happened to beat the Nuggets, that'd have been that'd have been an icing on the cake for us, and that'd have been good. That'd have been good. But yet again, losing games that you shouldn't lose. And winning games that you think they're going to be tough games. The way they played the Nuggets last night was nothing short of amazing for me. But again, again, start out the road trip. We beat the Magic, which was positive. And I was like, well, the Wizards are playing good basketball. So there's a chance the way Bradley Bill and, and, uh, and Russell Westbrook are playing, there's a chance that we may or may not get that game. But I knew we could play we could play Sac, uh, Sacramento. We should better get that W. With Braun, especially, lose that game. And then the Raptors game was a total disaster. Siakam and Kyle Lowry went off, and it, we were just completely and totally over our skis. It was just ridiculous. It was just ridiculous. But yet, again, that's why I'm on the glass case of emotions because we played the Nuggets really well without LeBron. AD had a great game with a little bit of scary hours for us for a minute because he was kind of favoring that calf and getting massages on the sideline and kind of stretching it out like it was tender. You know, made me nervous. You know, made me. It, I've been nervous ever since he's touched the court because I don't want another KD situation where after being out for a long time, he comes back and then all, all of a sudden he gets hurt worse. Don't want to see that. Don't want to see that. So I'm praying that it doesn't happen. But yet again, again, classic of emotion. You beat the Magic, lose to the Wizards, lose to the Kings with LeBron, lose to the Raptors with LeBron. Without LeBron, you beat the Nuggets. Oh, uh, what, what? Then we, and then on top of all that, you lose the intruders' health to city protocols, and we probably done for the season. The last case of emotions, ladies and gentlemen. That's all I can really say. So let's do positive and negatives as we as we get into this uh the meat of the of of what's going on with the Lakers right now. Positives are that defense uh, defensively we look we still look pretty good. Uh 
uh, in the in the back end and the front end of this of this particular set of games. Middle of that part of that defense was was horrible. Decision making was horrible. Turnovers were horrible. Bad business. And I have to say, I'd be remiss if I didn't say this: is that how valuable LeBron James is to this team. And I say that to say that he this team is completely and totally different with him on the floor as is not. Now, the team can be good in spots and good against certain matchups without him, but the team has a much better chance of rate of success with him on the court than off it. That's when that's when he's completely healthy, obviously. But just to see the staunch difference between the what the team is with him without him on the court is ridiculous. Now, and I'm going to harken back to his Cavalier days and his Heat days. Take him off those teams, and you've seen it. The moment he left Cleveland, take them off that team. The team was atrocious. Atrocious. Take the Heat team, even with uh, Bosch and, and, uh, and D. Wade in their prime. They're not a guaranteed championship team. They're more like a playoff middle-of-the-road team. Honestly, take Braun off the Cavs when he came back. Atrocious without him, even with Kyrie. Take him off the Lakers, how we're middle of the pack, barely making the playoffs. Yeah, Got to get a man credit for being uh, such a great leader and such a dominant force and how much he matters to all his teams he's ever played on. Got to give him credit. Got to give him credit. But holistically, from his injuries perspective and the team perspective, I just hope that he, he can come back and be as healthy as he possibly can. Um, again, going back to another positive, the way AD is settling in and starting to play uh, at a, at a, the caliber of, of player that we know he can be a perennial all-pro all-star. He's starting to settle in and start to, uh, starts to dominate again, so that's positive. Um, again, but the negative is free throws, turnovers, decision-making. That's negative in these losses. Uh, um, I guess the positive is that we did uh, manage to put ourselves back into the uh, non-playing tournament realm, which we were floundering at. Um, but can we sustain it? That's the negative. Can we sustain it without Schroeder? Schroeder's going to be out these 10 or 14 days, which probably, you know, if he does 10 days, he might get a couple of games in before the regular season ends. But if he does 14 days, he's more likely out for the regular season. He won't be back to the playoffs. Now, what is that going to mean for upcoming games? Because we had a kind of a soft schedule, in my opinion, in the last five. The next three are tough. We got the Clippers, the Blazers, and the Suns coming up. And LeBron's health is an issue still. You know, so with need him on the floor, especially without Schroeder. Need him on the floor playing heavy minutes to facilitating the offense. So that's that's an if. Like, that's not a positive negative. That's just an if. So we got to rectify that. You know, so the issue is, and that's and this is what we need to really drill in and focus on the fact that can we avoid the playing game? And then subsequently after that, we avoid the playing game. We get to sixty. Right now, we, that would be the Nuggets. But if we move up to the five seed, we get the Clippers first round. Do we want that? When or do we want a, a team that we can more uh, so can um, work ourselves into playoff form with? Let's just say it that way. If we played the uh, Mavs or the Nuggets based upon our performance last night, I think that that's a better matchup for us trying to get ourselves back together 
piece ourselves together. Now, casting a couple of weeks ago when when everybody came back, I was like, we can play the cup. It doesn't matter. But based upon way things are shaking out and people are we coming and going with all this change in the movement, COVID protocol, injuries, tenderness, nights off, we need a, we need some tune ups. We need some tune ups, and we should not play the Clippers. I ain't scared of them. I think we can beat them, but I just think that it'd be better suited for us from a chemistry perspective and a in shape perspective and a in a playing together perspective that we need to play a team outside of Clippers first round to play the Clippers the second round or third, whatever the case may be, once we start to build some momentum. But I think we need momentum if we're going to play anybody like the Jazz, the Suns, or the Clippers uh, in the playoffs right now. Just just my two cents. So, yet again, I think that's where we're at. I think that hopefully LeBron can come back and get some strength in that ankle enough to allow him to play at the high level that I know he's capable of playing. You know, that would be a blessing for us, and we need that right now because outside of that, you know, we could we could flounder either way. We could literally go either way. I I watched them play good against the Nuggets, but yet again, playing the Clippers, you know, might be a different ball game. Playing the Blazers might be a different ball game. Playing the Suns might be a different ball game. So we need Braun for those. So hopefully he can play for all those games and give us a fighting chance. Outside of that, I'm gonna be in pins and needles, wondering what type what team we're gonna get uh, tonight. So hope for the health, hope for you know, we can be completely healthy and and make the playoffs outright and how to play in the playing tournament because you don't want to deal with that drama. But so we'll see how it shakes out. Like I said, Clippers, Blazers, and Suns coming up this week. The next time we talk, we'll break those games down. Hopefully, LeBron can play with all of those, and we'll have some good reports. And I won't be in such of an emotional uh, uproar roller coaster in my life right now with my Lakers fandom. But that's gonna wrap up Lakers locker room, man. Stay tuned for the full quarter closeouts. Locked on Lakers podcast. Back with a full quarter close out of the Lockdown Defense Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Defense. I want to thank everybody for listening to this podcast. As always, appreciate everybody's support. Uh, like, comment, subscribe. As always, share, share, like. Let everybody know we out here. Each and every Tuesday, right back down here. Uh, Google Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, Anchor. You name it, we're doing it. Appreciate everybody's support. Uh, like I said, we know share, share, like. Let everybody know we out here. Uh, we're going to keep doing this thing, man. We're going to move on to episode 39 and beyond. So uh, well, let's get into our awards, man, for uh, Breakout Player of the Week, Lockdown Defender of the Week, and Big Dummy of the Week, man. So let's do it. All right. So Breakout Players of the Week. <laughs> uh, wasn't hard <laughs> to discover who these guys this week. Uh, stellar performances. Devin Booker, 28 points this week, four rebounds, 3.6 assists uh, for the week. Uh, lead his team to the one slash two seed in the in the west right now they're back and forth with the jazz they just beat the jazz recently so uh they're going they're going back and forth one game here one game there with the one seed but it devin booker's been playing masterful basketball right now and it's definitely the time to be doing it because playoffs are around the corner and you gotta be playing your best ball at that time and jason tatum jason tatum averaging 42.7 points per game this week six rebounds and six assists Putting in big work, putting in big work. Now the 
Something's a little bit up and down. He lost Jalen Brown as well. And hopefully his injuries isn't bad. But I definitely think that uh, his play is elevated. Um, Jason Tatum especially. He's definitely doing big things and trying to will his team to be better uh, suited and make the playoffs. So uh, shouts out to Jason Tatum for being masterful. Put on that 60-point performance as well. Bringing his team all the way back from 32 down. Amazing performance, man. Got to get a boy credit. Lockdown to finish the week. Lonzo Ball makes his appearance for the first time, I think, on the show. Uh, he had 40 rebounds this week, 12 steals and three blocks. Shouts to Lonzo for being a lockdown defender. And then Rudy Gobert, Mr. Consistency. 26 rebounds throughout the week, 12 blocks and four steals. Got to give him credit for that, man. Got to give him credit for that. So uh, for Devin Booker, Jason Tatum, uh, Lonzo Ball, and Rudy Gobert, you get breakout player of the week and lockdown defender of the week. Now, on the Big Dummy of the Week, it's a two-parter. I want to give Big Dummy of the Week to the Green Bay front office for uh, being uh, totally and completely out of out of uh, sorts with Aaron Rodgers and not giving that man his just due and his respect and allowing for him to be uh, the, as you can say, the uh, MVP that he is and flourishing and winning titles, which he should be doing at, at the talent level he's at. But they've... Um, there's a miscuse with uh, front office moves and personnel changes, and they definitely are taking step backs. Um, so you got to blame the front office on this one. And the GM going rogue and picking Jordan Love, pissing her off was another problem. So definitely got to pay the piper when it comes to that. And you got to make, make it right. Like I alluded to earlier in the podcast, you got to make it right. If you don't make it right, Aaron's going to walk, and you're going to be taking – uh, leaps and bounds back in the division and the conference, and you might not be the same after that. So you got to ride away while it's hot. Just telling you. And the other part is the uh, is the Las Vegas Raiders uh, front office, Mayock and Gruden, um, for completely and totally being over your skis when it comes to your uh, drafting prowess, which which is amazing to me because Mayock used to do draft in the, in the combine stuff for a living but he can't seem to get a draft pick right to save his life. And they've had multiple first round picks, multiple second round picks, and they can't seem to get it right at all. It's just insane to me. Insane to me how badly they draft in the, in the draft holistically. I mean, what pick has really worked out outside of maybe Josh Jacobs? It's like they, they are hard pressed to draft everybody from Alabama as well. It's just, this is crazy to me. I don't understand it. The, the rhyme of reason is, isn't there for me. And they are totally squandering their time there. Um, they bought almost halfway through the 10 year contract and it's, it hasn't gotten better. So to the green Bay front office and the, uh, Las Vegas Raiders front office, you get the big dummy of the week awards. You big dummy. So that's going to wrap it up, man. We're going to take a week from, uh, off from sports talk with coach Curry this week. Uh, we're going to mother's days, a lot of things going on with family and things of that nature. So we're not going to force the show this week, but we'll be back next week as always. And podcast will be back next Tuesday, 10 a.m. Uh, Twitch.tv4 says Lockdown Diva Sports. For, uh, follow that as well. We'll be back in two weeks in that regard for Sports Talk and Coach and Kurt. The podcast over 39 will be back next Tuesday, 10 a.m. Uh, if replays for Sports Talk and Coach Kurt will always be live on Mondays at 11 a.m. So check that out on YouTube. Like, comment, subscribe as always. But in the meantime, in between time, I'm your man, Coach Defense. Step up and lock it down. <laughs>